0: And I thought to myself, hope. We live in a culture where I think the word hope is kind of in a vain kind of way. A vain hope, a vague hope. And hope is almost a bit like, oh, I hope so. Fingers crossed. I hope that this will happen. And it's got that kind of passiveness to the word. A passivity in hope. And I don't know about you, but that doesn't really get me anywhere. Having a kind of a hope in that way doesn't do it for me. But I, what if I said, I have a hope that is unending, a hope that is everlasting, a hope that is for eternity, and a hope that gives me my security? Does that make me some kind of weirdy? Or does that make me some kind of um, hopeless case, as we just heard? Does that make me some kind of um, vague person who is holding on to some kind of vague hope? Or is there something more secure in that? And as we were singing our songs this morning and as I was singing our worship to God, I just wrote down some of those lines. And when I say that I have hope and a hope that is eternal, things like this do it for me. Our God is fighting our battles. The lion is a good representation of who God is. A lion roars. A lion's got power. A lamb is a good representation of what God is. A lamb is a servant. A lamb was sacrificed. And Jesus took on a sacrifice for us. And then we went to that that lovely, lovely song that just says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty that is what my hope is, is in the one who is holy, the one who is everlasting, an everlasting father, a loving God, the one who is my rock. Death could not beat him. This is what our hope is. Death could not hold him. This is what our hope is. So the word has got kind of a paradoxical element to it, hasn't it? So there's this vain hope and this vague hope that I would say the world holds on to. And then there's this security in hope, a significance of hope that each of us in here are either holding on to or looking to. And looking to today. And I just wanted to encourage us on this dedication day that... You know what, the parents of these children have kind of got both going on. They've got this kind of vague hope that somehow they'll do a good enough job somehow to make their children into somehow a kind of decent human being at some point in their life. And they hope that that's going to happen, but they can't be sure of that. Neither can they be sure that the children will definitely have that same hope and security in their life that they have. But I am pretty sure that they're going to be pushing that one. They're going to be praying for their children. They're going to be encouraging their children to pray. They're going to be encouraging their children to know who Jesus is. They're going to be encouraging them to know this hope, which is eternal, and a hope for every day. Now, that's a different type of hope, because it's something that they hold on to themselves, something that they're secure in themselves, not just a vague hope that life's going to be okay. Because this hope is bigger than whether life is okay. This hope is when life is not okay. This hope is when things are tough. This hope gives us an eternal perspective when life doesn't always look good. And that's what I'm sure you want for your children. The Bible talks about hope, and it talks about it a lot, and it sneaks in here and there. Even the prophet Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus was born, pointed towards Jesus being the hope for the nations, saying there's going to be one coming. There's going to be someone coming, and he's going to give hope. He's going to give hope that's everlasting. He's going to be the hope for our nations. And here we are in 2018, and wow, 2018. (laughs) It's really scary, isn't it, that we've got here. But we've got 2 billion, over 2 billion Christians saying that this is what we're holding our hope This is what hope is. This is what we put our hope in. Jesus is who we put our hope in. That is significant. So before Jesus even came about, and now, here we are now, people holding on to the hope that they have in Jesus. The early church were known to have been persecuted, to have had hard, hard times. When Paul writes from a prison, that's not, a cosy, comfy little prison. He was in chains and he was bound and he was proclaiming hope. And he was saying to the others, don't forget hope. Hope is secure. Hope gives us significance. Hope is for our lives. Now, he doesn't say that to make a fluffy kind of statement to people. He is absolutely secure and certain. The early church were persecuted for their beliefs. And ever since... Christians have been persecuted for this holding on to this hope. I'm just going to read from one of the books of the Bible that Paul actually wrote, the book of Romans, and from chapter five. It's from verse five for anyone who's got their Bibles. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. I don't quite understand glorying in our sufferings. But here's Paul writing that as he is suffering. And he says this, he says, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. There we have hope going full circle. Because of our hope, we boast in the hope. And do you know what? Even when things are tough, even when things are horrendous, even when life looks rubbish, even when we're being persecuted, even when we are suffering, hope is what ends up because we have a hope that is secure and a hope which goes on and on and on. There's a circle of hope that is security. I wonder how many of us are holding on to that hope So as he wrote this Paul was suffering. He suffered but that did not make him doubt this hope. I wonder sometimes when we go through stuff in our lives where does the hope of Christ sit in that? Is somehow sometimes for us in the west in this easier life that we have is our hope put in other things? We don't know we're doing it necessarily, but do we sometimes put our hope in other things? Where's our security? That's another word we could say. Our hope is in the security of God. Where's our security? What are we putting our security in? Are we putting it in our relationships? Are we putting it in our family? Are we putting it in our finances? What are we putting our hope in? Here's Paul saying, do you know what? My hope is in Jesus. My hope is in him. Nothing more, nothing less. He is everything. that reading that um, christine read from romans 12 12 joyful in hope patient in affliction joyful in hope are we joyful in hope even when we're in affliction have we still got the joy of god within us i'm going to go on to another reading in a minute which has more to say about that but why why is this so important Faith in a nutshell is trusting the truth of Jesus' death, of Jesus' resurrection, and of Jesus fighting on our behalf, of Jesus looking out for us. Faith in a nutshell is holding on to that hope in every circumstance of life. Our future has a certain hope, and so has our present, based on the promises of Jesus. Another, this is the other reading that Paul that I'm going to read now, that Paul wrote to the Ephesian church. He said this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. I just love that phrase, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. And I guess that's my prayer for us today, that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened to know the hope to which God has called us to know that hope. So whatever's going on, whatever people are saying to us, whatever comforts we are putting our hope in, we may want to put to aside. to say, actually, in my heart, there is an enlightenment that the hope of Christ is everything. Everything for my life. So if today we don't know that certainty of hope. If we're sitting here saying, what on earth are you going on? i like, Ellen, I have a certainty that my job looks like this. I have a certainty in my family. I have a certainty in my security. I need to work hard in order to get lots of money. All of those things, none of those things are wrong. But if we don't have that security of hope in Jesus, then whatever comes our way that isn't good will knock us, will hurt us, will take us off course, But if we do have that hope, then that is when we can be secure and we can say, do you know what? Whatever this is, I can face it because I have the hope of God in me. I have the hope of the truth of the lion roaring and the lamb who was slain. I have the hope and security that he is fighting my battles. I'm going to call up Gemma Christie to come and share a brief testimony um, that she shared with me one day in a car. We were just seeing some Eclipse children, so that's a bereavement support that we do. And Gemma just showed me her, car, her phone. We had stopped at this point. She showed me her phone and said, look, Helen, this is what's going on in me. And I was like, oh, I've just been stirred to talk about hope. Perhaps you'd like to share this on a Sunday morning. She looked a little bit green, but now she's coming. And here she is. She, she, she quickly agreed. So here we are.
1: Okay, I'm just going to read it off the paper. Um, For me, although I loved God and longed to feel a deeper level of relationship with Him, and don't get me wrong, I did at times, um, but being very independent and strong willed, even when I thought I was handing situations over to God, I kept my hand in there too. I just really felt no, just really found it hard to leave it alone. It wasn't until I found myself in a situation that I couldn't change or handle or rely on myself or anyone else to sort or to reassure me. It was completely out of my hands. I just had to trust God and know that he knew what was best for me. I know he had the situation in his hands. To cope emotionally, I had to completely hand my emotions to God and ask him to hold on to them until until I was in a place where I felt able to deal with them. And I didn't keep my hand in this time because I couldn't understand them or deal with them or sort them. They just swirled around in my head and drove me more than slightly crazy. So I had to leave well alone. Um, I had to build trust in my life and trust that I was making the right choices and trust that I was making them for the right reasons and check my heart in all of this. It was a really difficult time. Words can't explain how difficult But all the way through this time, God made it very evident to me that he was right there next to me. When I look back, even before I knew this situation was coming, God knew. And he was preparing me with verse after verse. Through this time, probably a year and a half, God has taught me how to hand my life truly over to him. And to completely trust in him. And all I've wanted to do is soak up his words, listen to him and have worship music playing Every time I feel anxious, worried about the future or even the present, I turn to God because only he ever truly knows. God has done amazing work in me through all of this. It's made me realise too that we all might look like we're fine, like we're coping, thinking well their life's going well, why isn't mine? But you never know what people are really dealing with until they choose to stand up and share with you. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with how people deal with their stuff, but I'm very aware that sometimes people are dealing with stuff even when they seem to be living a lovely life. I'm also not saying this to make people feel bad for not knowing. I chose for it to be like that. This is just my journey, and I felt that God wanted me to share it. One verse that has weighed massively on me through all of this is, be still and know that I am God. I struggled with this because I'm not a being still kind of person, especially in my thoughts. So I couldn't work out how that was even possible but then I heard it like this in Exodus 14, 14. The, Lord's, uh, the Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. This made me realize that what he was saying is all these things you can't handle because you can't know, you can't change, you can't fight. Lay it down. Give it to God because he can and he will and he knows. I now put my hope in him more than ever because I know that he is mighty and over all things.
0: I just want to pray for us. Father, that line that Gemma said, that people don't know what you're going through in your life when you're looking like everything's good on the outside and I just pray for us all here tonight, today. I pray for everyone in this room. I pray that you would help us with the stuff that we know about our own walk with you our own walk in life, the things that cause anxiety, the things that cause pain, the things that cause sadness, the things that cause frustration in us. Father, all of these things come in the way of us holding on to the hope of you. I pray that the hope that Gemma found when she was literally clinging to you would be the same hope that we find as we cling towards the one who is eternal, the one who has it covered, and the one who is enough. Father, I pray for a blessing for all of us. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'm just going to read from 1 John 3. This is one of Jesus' disciples writing about Jesus' life and faith. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves, just as he is pure. All who have this hope in him purify themselves because Jesus came as a sacrifice for us and on the cross he dealt with every one of our sins and he is who we put our hope in. And as we put our hope in him, as we say, do you know what, you are enough, you are what has covered my life. You are why my life exists. I think that the miracle of these youngsters this morning just really hit me. The miracle of new life in the physical form is a miracle in itself. And then there's the miracle of new life of actually deciding to follow Jesus because of everything that he did for us. And that miracle of new life is for every one of us. And it's a promise over every one of us that as we put our hope and our trust in him, he will come. And I pray that for each of us, that those of us who know Jesus already will continue to be enlightened by the hope that we have in Jesus. And those who don't know Jesus will take another step today in starting to believe and trust in who he might be. Maybe today's a day where you seek to find out more about this person of Jesus, this God of Jesus, this lion that we talked about. Would you, I pray, take a step today, finding out more about him if you don't yet know him. All who have their hope, have this hope, purify themselves just as he is pure. This message of hope isn't just for when we get to heaven. This message of hope is for today and the day after and the day after. Whatever comes our way, this message of hope remains the same. And that's pretty exciting stuff, isn't it? I'm pretty excited by the story of Gemma. I'm not excited by the stuff that she went through, but I'm excited that she held onto a hope and a pure and loving, giving, life-giving hope that gives her joy. Joy in our world is a very precious thing. And whatever culture has for us, whatever stuff comes our way, we have the joy of knowing the hope of God in our lives. I think I'm going to finish there. Thank you, everyone.
2: Okay, I think we would it be appropriate for us to conclude by worshiping together. So I'm going to ask Helen and the team to come back, and uh, we're just going to worship. Thank you so much to Helen for sharing about that living hope. There may be people in the room you are thinking, "Gosh, I've not really thought about this. I've not really considered this, or I haven't considered it for some time." And so, if that's you, if you, th- this message is appropriate to you, then we want to give opportunity for you to uh, discuss that with other people, someone at the front would be more than happy, or the prayer team will be situated over there, we'll be more than happy to discuss with you what we're talking about when we talk about this eternal hope, this living hope that Helen has explained for us this morning. Okay, let's stand together, shall we? We're going to conclude by worshipping God together, and Helen and the team are going to lead us right now. The Splendor of the King.